0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the State of Innovation podcast powered by the Illinois Science and Technology Coalition. Returning listeners will notice that we've gone through a bit of a rebrand here with the podcast, uh, formerly the Data Dish podcast, now the State of Innovation. Um, We're excited to relaunch the show. We've been on hiatus here for a year or so. Um, but are excited to, with this refresh, bring you uh, new and insightful stories from innovators across Illinois, uh, disruptors, thought leaders, um, real players in in innovation and science and technology in the state of Illinois. Uh, Along with the fresh rebrand, fresh name for the podcast, um, we also have a fresh leader of our organization. Um, So Colleen Egan uh, has taken on the president and CEO role of the Illinois Science and Technology Coalition uh, and our Institute, our C3 STEM education arm. We're incredibly excited to have her. She is a uh, really accomplished innovator, entrepreneur, uh, and executive here in Chicago in the tech space uh, and elsewhere. Um, She's worked for some really innovative companies. Um, She's an entrepreneur. She she started uh, her own company as well. Um, We're, uh, as I mentioned, incredibly excited to have her on board at ISTC and I, um, and we thought what better way to relaunch our podcast uh, than with an interview with our new leader. Um, So with that, uh, I'm going to turn it over to my colleague uh, Becky Goldberg, uh, a member of our ISTI team who interviewed Colleen for a segment on our Facebook page, uh, which you can check out on uh, the ISTI's Facebook page. Um, So with that, I will turn it over to Becky for an interview with Colleen.
1: Happy Friday, everyone. We are so excited you all have joined us today for a new interview announcing our new CEO, Colleen D. Egan. We are thrilled to have you not only join our team, our little family, but also be able to kind of spotlight you today as we move through an interview. So Colleen, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to some of our viewers who may not be familiar with you uh, or your work, and then we'll dive right into it.
2: Yeah, just to keep it simple, um, the information is on the website too if anybody wants to take a deeper dive. But for today, um, as you said, my name is Colleen Egan. I'm the new CEO of the um, Illinois Science and Technology Coalition and the Institute, um, which, of course, Becky works at, uh, works for and does an amazing job. Um, I have been a serial entrepreneur here in the state of Illinois, mainly in Chicago. I've also led companies in um, Los Angeles. Um, and my whole entire career has been pretty much based in technology um, in all its different you know, forms um, from information from um, AI to um, edutainment, education, um, big data, media, um, health. Um, and yeah, I'm also one of the founders of the Women's Entrepreneurship Institute at DePaul University. I'm also on the board at Chicago Tech Academy. Um, which leads us to our discussion today and how I got my job.
1: Excellent, wonderful. So we are going to start with a round of quick fire questions. So I do want to give credit. Um, Colleen introduced us to the Pride Summit hosted by Lesbians Who Tech, and we thought this was a great tool that we wanted to integrate into our interviews as well, just to kind of break the ice, get to know Colleen on a personal level. Um, so Colleen, are you ready for your first question?
2: No, but go ahead. <laughs>
1: okay, I'm ready, and I'm excited. So here we go. So your first question is your favorite TV show to binge watch.
2: Right now, it's 20s.
1: Okay. I have not heard of that one. So I will put it on my list. Everyone else should as well. Second question Best takeout during quarantine 2020?
2: Definitely local restaurants because I love supporting them. And my favorite is Lula Cafe in Logan Square.
1: Excellent. All right. Are you a dog, cat, or reptile person?
2: Major dog. I have two Emmy Lou, Emmy Lou Harris, and um, Samuel Beckett, who's a girl, but Beckett. <laughs> and they're both awesome dogs. Well, you'll have to
1: bring them to work too. We can I just label will. them as support animals. That's I put awesome.
2: them on the dog slack at work.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Um, if you had to be a kitchen utensil, what would you be?
2: A spatula.
1: Okay. Which three people in industry would you choose to have dinner with
2: if you could choose anyone? Three people in the industry? Sorry, in history. Oh, in history. Oh, that's a good one. Probably Virginia Woolf. Okay. Eleanor Roosevelt. And ooh, that third one's gonna be tough. I think Franklin Roosevelt. Okay.
1: Describe yourself in three words.
2: Um, I'm friendly. <laughs> I'm really enthusiastic and optimistic. Those are all
1: good things. Uh, I imagine you would only describe yourself in good things, I hope. Uh, What is the next place that you'd like to visit once we are allowed to travel again?
2: Oh, Iceland.
1: Awesome. Uh, What technology do you think will transform the future?
2: Well, it's already changing, but, you know... um artificial intelligence, but where it goes from here, who knows? But, you know, people say to me, oh, you probably have another question for me, don't you? Or is that I the one more? The I'll go on about why I think that is later. Perfect.
1: Uh, what was your favorite book growing up? Oh.
2: You know what, this is going to sound really bizarre. But growing up, I had a uncle who was a garbage man. And he would bring me books all the time. And um, he brought me a Jet magazine when I was little, and I fell in love with it. And so I didn't have a favorite book when I was little. That came uh, later. But um, I read Jet magazines all the time and had to beg for a subscription from my dad. And uh, he got it for me.
1: Last question. If you were a superhero, what would your power be?
2: Always telling the truth no matter what.
1: Okay, good to know. So broken the ice, we're ready to dive into it. Um, So I'm gonna start to, if you can't already tell, Colleen has a lot of personality and is bringing a lot of energy into the ISTI and ISTC team. And one thing I also wanna call out is that you are an avid storyteller and you clearly have an affinity for using storytelling uh, to describe personal narratives and to bring that into the work and to drive social innovation and social change. So we'd love to start and learn more about you and just hear what's your story.
2: It's a long story. Do we have enough time? (laughs) We've got got all day. It's all good. I'll keep it short. Um, I grew up, um, I was born in Chicago. So Chicago is my hometown. Um, My parents moved to the suburbs um, when I was probably like five or six. And um, so I grew up on the Southwest suburbs, um, graduated from um, uh, Montheese Academy in Lamont, which I had a great experience at. and I was a candy striper, which if no one remembers what a candy striper is, were you know volunteers at the hospital and wear those uniforms, um, which I'm sure have been you know updated since. But I really fell in love with healthcare um, during that time. I became um, the captain of the candy stripers and that allowed me to get a um, scholarship. To go to nursing school and my parents my father was an immigrant i was a you know first generation american um they had my both my parents did not graduate from college so it was really important for me to take that you know um opportunity and go to school i thought you know i'll go back and become a doctor someday but just never did um i went to i my first job out of school was at mercy hospital i was an oncology nurse and I really discovered that you know, I like leading things more than I like um, not that I don't love doing the actual work. I do a lot of the actual work, but I just felt like I could lead the hospital better. You know, I was 21 and thought I knew everything, but um, there were a lot of things I wanted to do. I've always been innovative and leading with solutions that you know, um, the hospital just didn't want to hear. So I started my own. I had a child, um, my first daughter, Kristen. Um, so took that year off and then I started a healthcare care company called New Mother's Care and we were really um, post delivery health care. So in your home, lactation counselors, baby nurses, um, educators, um, and then care for your other children, grocery shopping, the whole thing, because I realized I needed that. I didn't have a lot of family here. Um, yeah. And so I started New Mother's Care. Did that for a couple years. And then I went into hospital administration, um, long term care, actually, um, administration leading the um, sales and marketing for a group of long term care facilities and being the nurse liaison for the city of Chicago um, for those um, facilities. And I really loved it, but I still was missing something. I love technology so much that I decided when I had an opportunity to go to the publicly traded company Leap that was here in Chicago, New York and LA. I was offered a position to be their director of operations and I took that, you know, I believe in the power of yes. So not knowing what I was going to do, I just said yes and jumped in. I learned so much about technology. I knew I was in the right, you know, um, industry. And then seven of us left uh, that company and started our own company, 212 degrees. So that was the first company um, in tech that I had co-founded and became the COO. And was there for um four years um leading digital marketing uh you know building large-scale websites digital marketing campaigns for um larger companies some of those were orbits mcdonald's um emac which was emac digital uh britney spears if anybody remembers britney we did some entertainment work as well and um one of my client one of our pro bono clients at zula or at uh, 212 was zula and we were doing her website, helping her with strategy, helping her to get funding. And I fell in love with the program. Um, It was STEM education for three to eight year olds. And we knew that there was a huge gap in um, STEM education for that age group. And we were falling behind as a country. So um, when she asked me to go to LA to produce the show and to um, be the chief operating officer, I said, yes, again, not really knowing how to produce a show, but learned really quickly. And so I um, worked on the production and I also was the chief operating officer for the company. Um, we built out a curriculum that was used nationally. We developed 52 episodes of the show, which was on PBS. Um, and then that was distributed across the world. And um, we also produced a couple movies um, and a virtual world with IBM. So um, unfortunately my dad had died uh, my into my second year there. So after I finished my second year, I moved back to Chicago because um, my mom was here by herself. I, my siblings are you know, in Europe and Asia. And so I um, wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And then um, one of my business partners at 212 reached out and said, I'm with a new company called Aku and we're developing, we're building the largest digital out of home network in the country. And of course I had no idea what he was talking about. And he said, we need a COO. And I met with the CEO a few times and um, it was perfect you know, synergy between us. So um, again, I had some construction background as well. I could read the blueprints, you know. we were doing everything. I've always been in startup world, right? So where you do everything yourself so we designed, um, we installed, and um, we maintained the largest digital at home network in the country, which was mostly in malls and universities across this country, and developed our own content. Um, it was a great experience. Um, we were bought by RMG Media. And I had really been working 24-7 for five years with that startup. So I took some time off and took a breath, which I'm going to do now. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And I decided that, you know, my love was always with startups. So um, uh, Tiger Puppet Studios was a company my wife and I had started um, a lot for her. Um, she's an artist, too, and a UX leader. Um, so we were doing work there. But I started um, consulting with startups. And some of the startups in Chicago that some of the audience may know are, you know, Think Circa, Catalytic, um, Built-in. As we grew, you know, I was getting larger clients, you um, like Zebra Technologies, which um, everybody probably in Illinois knows. So I did that. Um, And then I had an opportunity to go, I would always worked private sector. I had the opportunity to go to Clarity Partners, which was a consulting company, technology management consulting company here in Chicago. I had never worked public sector. You know, they were working city and state governments, you know, making them work better for the constituents. And so that was of real interest to me. So I took the job and I loved it because um, I changed my title to the director of people, culture, and endless possibilities because yes, I believe in the power of yes, and I believe in endless possibilities. And they were super supportive of me in that. So I was able to run people and culture operations. Um, We were partners with Kinsey um, Capital, which was a female led um, private equity company by Suzanne Yoon. So I was able to consult with them and it was the perfect opportunity for me. Um, After two years, I decided to leave and go back to my own consulting practice. I think I had done as much as I could, and my, um, you know, managing partners were really um, supportive of me doing that. So left, went back to Tiger Puppet, and then all of a sudden, you know, someone sent me a role for the CEO of the ISTC and you know ISTI, and when I read the job description, I was like, "That's awesome!" I think my entire life has led to this moment, as you can tell by my story. Everything I've done um, on the technology and healthcare side, as long as I also with the work I do on the education side, I'm one of the founding members of the Women's Entrepreneurship Institute at DePaul University. There's 40 of us, and we fund that institute ourselves. And then I also sit on the board for Chicago Tech Academy, which is a um, open enrollment, you know, technology high school here in Chicago. Um, So the Institute side. So for me, I'm always like a dog with a squirrel. You know, I'm always looking and um, I need more to do to keep me engaged and help me to learn. And I just thrive in those kind of environments. So being able to be the CEO of both Institute or the Institute and the coalition was like the perfect job for me to apply to. And uh, thank God I did, because here I am.
1: Yes. And we're so excited that you are here. Um, There are a couple of things in your story that I would love to kind of just push a little further. And one of those things was really early on in your story, you had this kind of reflection moment of, I understand what's happening in my environment and I know where I can do better. So you've identified gaps, you see places where your energy, your passion, your dedication to learning new skills and tools was able to kind of open up some opportunities and open up some doors for you. And I feel like that's a a narrative we've heard before, whether it's uh, teachers we've worked with or other, you know, students even of understanding what's out there and having that drive to do better or leave something better than they started. So, what advice might you give maybe a young professional who's having some of those feelings in terms of I see a gap and I know I can do something about it?
2: Yep. And I say be open to the opportunities just because a lot of times, you know, when we're looking at job descriptions at a company, there's a checklist, right, of 10 things. And so a lot of younger people looking for jobs, they're like, oh, well, I only meet three or four. So I won't apply for that job, even though, you know, when I see them or meet them, I know they've got the skills. Um, so don't be afraid, you know. Um, I used to talk a lot about imposter syndrome, and I was, um, you probably listened, but Arlen Hamilton um, was on a uh, podcast recently and she thought that um, imposter syndrome is a myth. And it really got me thinking that, you know what? It possibly could be because we know what we know, we know what we're good at, we're not imposters. We're just not you know, self-assured enough to get there, right? Um, so I say, be open to the opportunity, and um, networking is such an important thing um, as a young person. And being on the board at Chicago Tech Academy, even with the you know um, the institute, a lot of what you do is the you know the mentor matching engine. Um, those networks, those mentors are so important. Don't be afraid to seek those out. A lot of the opportunities that I received. Um, was Because even though my parents didn't have those networks, they knew where to go to get me those networks right. I had educators who helped me, who you know introduced me to people. not everyone has that and um, if you're not finding that from your educators, from you know your parents, seek out other people in your community, feel free to like find someone on LinkedIn and just send them a message and say, "I really like your profile you know or you're you know connected to a company." That I really like. Can you make a connection for me? I think most people are really, really open to that. And then again, you know, just being open—you just never know. A lot of my life, my career has been luck. A lot of it is I'm a white woman in America, um, and so some of those opportunities were just there for me. But I'm also a gay woman, and so a lot of times, you know, I I can remember a job I started with a major pharmaceutical company very early in my career. Um, and it didn't last long, which is why it isn't on my, you know, um, resume. But um, yeah, they kept telling me that they were a family oriented company as my car was sitting outside with a rainbow sticker on it. And I knew what they were leading to. And so I quit the same day I started, because I just knew it wasn't going to be for me. So you know, find those, you know, networks too, that will embrace you, that will celebrate your whole self as well.
1: I think something to celebrate as well, too, is even the self-talk that you gave yourself of I have never done this, but I'm going to try or I've never done this. And maybe the merit behind me doesn't support this background, but the skills that I've acquired up till now will lead to further things. And I think exactly like you said, that's kind of led you to the path that you are on today working with ISTI and ISTC is that you took those risks to say, I have never done this, but I'm going to learn and I'm going to master it. And I'm going to kind of build up this repertoire of skills uh, that will enhance who I'm working for, the team I'm working for. And I think even as a, um, as a professional, it's really kind of culminated to who you are as a leader. Um, what continues to motivate you uh, in the work that you do for startup and nonprofit spaces currently?
2: What motivates me?
1: Yeah. So what, what continues to motivate you each and every day?
2: Yeah, I'm motivated every day. And you know, from only working with me for, it's 10 days now, I'm just passionate. Um, I always like to lead with solutions, um, which is why I think I got into the tech space, because I'm naturally curious. I'm always um, trying to learn. Um, I've I've tried since um, my early 30s to meet someone new and to learn something new every day. And I've done a really great job of learning something new during COVID. It's been a little difficult to meet someone new every day, <laughs> but um, you know, I feel sometimes if I'm even ordering food, at least I'm going to the door and I don't get their name or what they, you know, what their real story is. But I got to meet them for a moment. But for me, just being naturally curious um, has kept me in um, startup land. It's where I thrive. I liked, like I said earlier, I love to do a lot of things. I love to know a lot. I might not be the best at everything. I know what I'm really good at, but I have led, you know, the marketing teams, the sales teams, you know, the, um, the help desk, you know, the it teams, um, accounting, all of it, right in startup land, that's what you do. And so I think nonprofit for me, um, is kind of an easy transition because we're the same. We have to run lean. We've got to be agile. We've got to do a lot with, you know, um, a smaller team and less resources. And so I think it's the perfect transition for me. And also, you know, I just believe in giving back. My dad was uh, an immigrant who grew up in an orphanage. And, um, you know, I don't know who first said it, but he said, never look down on someone unless you're helping them up. And that has always stuck with me. Um, People have given to me and have been so generous with their time. And so me giving back, it's just a natural, um, and another thing I read today, which um, I would love to, I'll send you the article, but yeah. I've always had leaders, you know, have taught them to lead with empathy, right? To be empathetic. But I read a great article today. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal of all places about um, compassion is more important than empathy. And because empathy can be toxic because empathy is more of a feeling and compassion is more of an action. And I thought, oh, I, I learned something new today. Um, but also, I feel like I'm just very then compassionate um, to the world around me. And I always want to, like I said, help. Um, I want to leave a legacy, too. My work at the Women's Entrepreneurship at DePaul is a legacy project for me. My work here, I want to be a legacy work as well.
1: That's amazing. And I think that's something that it can be a task for a lot of women in business and a lot of women in all sorts of spaces to really have that drive to leave something behind again that that's better and that's compassionate and that's solution oriented so i think those are really great kind of key takeaways already um I also want to recognize that you are our first female CEO, um, and I, I do again want to celebrate that. But you are also an entrepreneur. You are an advisor, as you've mentioned. You're a board member, so you wear a lot of different hats and play a lot of different identities that make you who you are and how you lead. So, how do those roles and experiences play into your leadership?
2: Yep, I'm also a wife, a mother, and a grandmother, and a dog owner. Right, and uh, and I love archery and fishing. I mean. We are just a a culmination of all of our experiences. You know, when I was much younger, I was definitely a type A personality, more of a perfectionist. Um, All the experience throughout my entire career has led me to be, you know, I listen a lot more now than I talk, even though we're talking a lot here today. Um, You know, yeah, that experience leads us to our leadership style. My leadership style is to, you know, listen and to try and figure out those solutions in my head. I'm a lot more, you know, when I was younger as a woman, I would have to be competing with a lot of men, especially in the tech space. Mm -hmm. And so that was different. I I was leading in in a much different way because I think I was not aggressive, but, you know, um, I couldn't bring my whole self to work. I couldn't bring, you know, I was bringing more masculine tendency, which isn't a bad thing, but I was trying to be one of the guys, right? And I'm not. Um, So I think my leadership style has changed there as well. Um, I bring up the compassion, empathy thing again, but, you know, I am definitely more of an empathetic leader now than I was when I was younger, because I just have more experience. Um, And I've had this my life has been my you know my professional life has been so varied but my personal life has been so varied as well you know it's like i led the first uh 20s i don't know 30 years of my life as a straight woman and then these last you know 20 something years as a um, member of the LGBTQ community, but I also have three children and I have two grandchildren. And so that really changes the way you look at things too. When we talk about legacy, um, I try to instill that legacy leadership style in everyone in you included, you know, what are we doing? What are we leaving behind? Because I want to make the world better, not only for my children, my grandchildren, but for your children, for, you know, all of our children. Um, And in the state of Illinois, where we're concentrating our work, I want every child to, you know, have an equitable education um, and to be able to succeed.
1: Um, You mentioned something that I, again, found just really reflective in terms of being able to show up as your full self. So uh, being able to identify yourself as a woman in tech, a queer woman in tech, um, and continuing to evolve your own leadership style and your own learning style as well, Um, What? I guess what advice could you give to you know again young professionals who don't feel like they are showing up as their full self or they feel like they are and they're not getting where they want to go?
2: Yeah that's a really um that's a much deeper discussion than for this interview but um there are people that are really you know when I came out I had no problem with it at all I think it was because I was um a little bit older and um that was a big decision for me to make. And I made it, I jumped in wholeheartedly and became a full member, you know, of my community and in helping others um, and giving back to those, you know, younger people who weren't ready to come out, Um, find an ally, you know, um, it's really, it's a different world right now. You know, we've got so many companies that have, you know, ERGs that are dedicated to the community. Um, whether that be, you know, the dog lovers, whether that be the cooker, you know, the cooking people who love cooking, whether that be how we identify personally. So it's become a lot easier, but there, but there's still a struggle. And it's, I think it's bigger now in the trans community. Um, I'm dealing with a few people right now who are struggling because we still have biases, um, companies. When they're hiring. And um, again, it's gonna be about networking and finding people to be your ally. There's um, one trans woman in particular that I just talked to today. Um, and I just keep in contact with all the time because, you know, um, housing security is a problem right now. Um, finding a job is difficult. First, it was because, you know, um, she's new, you know. Um, to being, to representing herself as a trans woman out in the community Mm -hmm. and still trying to get comfortable in her own skin and try to get a job and then, you know, having a lot of people be biased and then, you know, it's just, it's a a very deep, deep conversation that we should be having. But um, getting back to the original part of your question, I think it's just finding people to be your ally and support you. Now, if you're not getting somewhere in your company, it could be that that's just not the right company for you. Right. Because you said something really interesting to me, you know, you said I lead with enthusiasm and I've got all this passion. That can turn a lot of people off. <clears throat> you know, I've been in interviews through my lifetime where like, whoa, you're way too much energy, too, too much, you know, right. and that could turn people off and they just don't know what to do with me. But I think um, when I interviewed with the team at the coalition and the institute and the board, I knew it was right because they celebrated that they were so you know passionate about me that I knew I was in the right place. I've been other places where you know um, I've stepped away from the interview because I knew it wasn't going to be a good fit. I can do that now because I'm older in my career and have more experience. But you know when you're young and you're starting out. You're, you just want to take any job, um, right. so it's really difficult, but try to find, you know, it, it, you can go online, you can read reviews, you can go on LinkedIn and find other people working there and ask them how they enjoy working there. Um, you know, find groups out there. If you are a member of the LGBT community, Find a, you know, someone who's working for one of those companies and ask them, take a look and see what their rating is, you know, at HRC. There's a million things you can do now to find companies that will celebrate you.
1: I think that's a great reflection for our team as well. Not only how do we allow people that we may be working with in the future to show up as their full self and feel supported and feel heard, but also the environment we create for our students on the ISTI team. I think that's a big conversation in education right now, too, in terms of making sure that students are seeing representation of all different types, but also feeling like their classroom is a safe space. And especially in virtual learning, there's a lot of unknowns. And so, you know, the safety of your identity should not be one of them. So I think that's a just a good reflection point in the work that we do and kind of move forward. Um, you've touched on this already, but I'd love to, again, just kind of drive it home. What really drew you to ISTI and ISTC?
2: Again, you know, um, I think we probably, I answered that when I talked about my life in general, you know, it's always been about science, technology, problem solving and wanting to take take technology to make people's lives better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you are the perfect culmination of my life's experience, not only on the science and technology side, um, but on the education side. And for the people out there who don't really know what the Institute is doing, I please go to the website and take a look. They're doing some amazing things on the educational side for high school, but on the coalition side too, we are the extension of that, right? We talked about a spectrum um, from earlier education to university or um, just continued education. Um, The coalition also is working on policy and advocacy in um, Springfield and DC. I'm very political um i'm you know um have worked on a lot of campaigns and have also worked on you know uh policy um changing and bettering the lives of not only myself um in the lgbt community but you know in technology and science and everywhere else um and like i said the higher ed um being at DePaul and with the partners that we have it's really important so it is it's just this Perfect storm. And when I had posted that I was working there, my network was like, perfect job, perfect job, perfect job, perfect job. And I said, I know it is.
1: Uh, Well, I again, I think it's a perfect fit as well. And it's only been day 10, so I'm excited to see what year five has in store. Um, Since you're hiring too, something that I've noted right away is that you've been really uh, a strong voice for continuing our education as adult leaders, as young professionals. So, as I mentioned earlier, the quick fire questions, we absolutely love those when we saw them in action at the Pride Summit. Um, And so, that's a big part of working as a team and growing as a team. So, why is adult learning important to you as a leader? But also important to you as a leader who's growing a young team,
2: yeah, um adult education is important, whether you're in leadership or not, you know, as human beings, we need to be learning and growing and keeping our minds active and keeping you know up to speed on what's going on if we want to be you know part of living in our society. Um, when it comes to my team, I just hope they share the passion I have for continued learning. And as a leader, I want to make your lives easier. And we've done that already by just utilizing technology to make our lives easier, to make our communication easier, to, you know, make our project management easier, to make, you know, our our uh, customer relationship management easier. So, you know, all these little things that I've learned through my life, I want to impart on my team because it's important because you will be growing into leaders and I want to give you the foundation so that you will be able to lead the next generation of leaders.
1: I love that. Um, in doing so as well, what do you hope, or I guess, where do you hope to see the biggest growth happening in the next couple of years with, with ISTI or ISTC?
2: Yeah, that's a big question too, because I'm only 10 days in. But um, right now, you know, the impact that the Institute is having on the educational side is really dramatic, um, even more so now that I've joined the organization and can see it. Mm -hmm. Um, not only with STEM challenges, but with the, you know, um, mentor matching engine Mm -hmm. um, and all the other things that we're thinking about um, and possibly even growing um, this to um, be K through 12. Mm -hmm. Because I truly believe that the the education really needs to start young. With my work um, at Zula that was evidenced, you know, um, we did the research. There wasn't a lot of STEM education programming for three to eight-year-olds Right. And I've been away from that for a while, so I'm not even sure what other programs are out there. Um, but it starts there. We need to keep our children engaged. Um, we need to keep them competitive, and we need them to, you know, be able to explore a world that they might not know is possible to them. So, on the innovation side or on the um, institute side, that's awesome. When it comes to the coalition side, there's so much work um, to be done, and I, on both sides, I'm amazed at how much work gets done with the small team we have. Um, on the coalition side, we've always been the leaders of data. You know, mm-hmm. the Innovation Index has been an extremely important tool that you know companies are using, um, research facilities, the government is using um, a uh, higher, um, ed is using. And so expanding on the work we do with the innovation index and the re- and the data that we're giving Because I'm a data junkie data informs most of my decisions, data and my gut.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so I think on the, um, coalition side, yeah, just digging into more data, being more active with the advocacy and, um, law laws or, um, uh, policy that's being passed. Um, but we're also looking at revisiting, um, some programs that we've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think are really exceptional. And we're actually looking at how to support, um, you know, companies that are growing or coming out of being incubated in the universities. So I think that's really exciting. Uh, you know me, I'm all about content too. So um, starting podcasts again with researchers um, and major leaders in the state of Illinois. Um, yeah, the possibilities are endless, but I also know too, you know we've got to excel at what we do and then from there we'll grow.
1: So 10 days in as you said, um, you kind of reflect a little bit about growth but also thinking through as you've uncovered little pieces of each program, what's excited you the most?
2: Well you know I think when it comes to the institute side, um, having never been a part of the um, STEM challenge, and watching the videos for the last three years, I can tell the audience, I teared up every time. Um, for me, equity and education is the most important thing we can do as human beings. Um, and you're doing that, you know, or trying to, we're, we're part of the system that is trying to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, So, I advise everybody or I encourage everybody to go to the Facebook group or to go to YouTube and watch those videos. Yeah. The intersectionality that is displayed in those videos, too, makes me just so happy. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, again, when it comes to we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, most people forget about the equity part. They talk about the diversity, inclusion, but it's all about the equity. And Mm -hmm. we are playing such a big part in that. And also on the coalition side, Um, equity in our companies, equity in our state, uh, we're working towards that. Okay. And I'm going to push you, or I'm going to rewind
1: a little bit too. With the conversation, there's a much bigger conversation that happens around education equity because there's so many fronts and facets of, as you mentioned, the system itself kind of reworking where major gaps are. So where do you think STEM education specifically fits into that equity conversation?
2: Well, I mean... Just think about it. When we talk about technology and people are like, oh, I'm just not big into technology. Everything is technology. Mm-hmm. You know, For me, it's like, really, everything is STEM. Every part of what we do is STEM, you know, um, and our children should be allowed to because, you know, just think about it. When we're learning English or we're, we're learning algebra in high school, we, we think that we'll never use it again, but we do. Mm We use geometry again. We use all the science classes we use. So STEM for me is just the natural part of education. I don't care if you go on to, you know, um, get a degree in it when um, you are in college or, you know, the universities, but STEM is just a part of who we are. It's a part of our life. Technology is a part of our everyday life and everything we do.
1: I love that. I think it, it definitely is part of our mission to really extend the definition of what STEM is. It's not four things. It really is a culmination of intersections and interdisciplines working together towards solutions and problem solving.
2: You know, who would have known, you know, um, you know, I had my first um, cell, uh, mobile phone in a bag, you know, back in the whatever, late 80s, early 90s, whatever year that was. Um, But you know, for me, it was like, it's just a phone, but it's technology,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: right? It's like all the platforms we use are technology. Um, Everything is technology right now. And when we think about the innovation economy, which we really support Mm -hmm. the Institute and the coalition, you know, when people say to me, and I said this earlier, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job because of, you know, smart cars or, you know, um, the smart trucking industry. And it's like, what's already happening? You know, so we're you're ten years behind already. So for me, um, STEM education isn't only important for our children and as we move, but for me as an adult to learn how I'm going to navigate in the new economy, in the new world. And you know, we talk about getting back to normal on so many things right now during COVID. I don't want to get back to normal. I want to, you know, go to where we're going next. Right. And a lot of that is going to be led by technology. And a lot of you know our companies have had to pivot during this time. Mm-hmm. They're creating new solutions. They're creating new product lines. Um, all the creation that's happening because of you know the last four months of COVID nineteen, and even in you know in racial justice, the you know what's happening on the technology side, it's been amazing. So I don't ever want to go back to where we were. I just want to keep moving forward. And STEM is such a part of all of that
1: you also have worked, I mean, going all the way back to when you were in the hospital. So you've seen healthcare, you've seen tech and kind of, again, all this integration. Um, And you've also worked with other nonprofits, other startups that are around kind of STEM education or STEM as a whole. What do you feel makes ISTI's STEM education different than other organizations you may have worked with in the past?
2: I can easily say it is the white glove, hands-on, which I love, you know, service direction you know um that you're giving those students those teachers those school districts there's a lot of other organizations out there that are doing stem challenges that are doing stem education that are even doing mentor mentor matching but Mm -hmm. nothing like what i've seen with the institute Um, we're going to need a lot more people to be working for us because we're taking on so many more you know new high schools and taking on new companies and i welcome all the companies watching to join us in our mission but um yeah i've never seen an organization lead um so many with so few and do such an excellent job at it and again what i think too and i mentioned this earlier the intersectionality that i see in those videos, and I can't wait to be in person at one of those is pretty amazing because when we talk about equity in education, you know, um, I've been fortunate. um, I went to private schools when I was younger and my parents could afford to do that. That is the one thing that they only wanted to invest in. They never got life insurance. They never invested in anything, but they invested in me. And so, I was very fortunate, but when I look at other schools um, that don't have that, you know, the work that we're doing here is so important, and it's the cross section of everyone. It's not only, the, you know, the high. Um, it's not only the private schools; it's public schools, and it's bringing those students together to learn from each other too, which is amazing. Right. That's right. such an important thing. It's you know we've become so politicized in everything right now, right? Our politics, our you know, even healthcare wearing a mask has become political, which I find amazing. But you know, we look at our students, whether they be urban, um, living in cities or rural communities, bringing them together to learn from each other and grow as human beings, that's important as well.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's really pertinent again to our overall mission, both ISTC and ISTI in terms of how do we culminate a new ecosystem, a new system of STEM, talent that is representative of who is in schools, not just private schools, but giving opportunities to everyone, regardless of where they're coming from, their background, their income, anything, um, and being able to provide quality programming, not just here's here's one thing for you to nibble on, but really take a bite and really understand your own identity in this kind of innovative world that I feel like COVID has accelerated, which is exactly what you were saying, of moving us forward somewhere.
2: And Um, you and your team are so thoughtful about the work. Which, um, you know, and listening, listening to the students, listening to the teachers and being, you know, it's like a startup, being agile enough to change things, to make them better. You know, this is what we do is, you know, we keep iterating, you know, any company's website. It's like we're iterating our program to make it better and better and better. And right now it's at an exceptional place. And I can't wait to see what we do in the next, you know, year or two.
1: That leads perfectly into my last question. Um, again, thinking you've been here 10 days, but I, I already know and I can see wheels spinning in every conversation we have. Um, and I think that's how we operate as well. As we, as we listen to others, we're really listening to understand rather than listening to respond with an idea, but just kind of taking everything in and being able to craft a really reflective solution. Um, what are you most looking forward to learning in this role?
2: Well. Like I said, I learn every day. So for me, I don't even know if it's one thing I look forward to. What I look forward to is, and what I'm really embracing is most of my work has been done in the city I live in, right? Um, Chicago. What I'm most excited is that I get to work with the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. I get to not only work with, you know, the um, children in our city and the surrounding suburbs, but I get to work with, you know, the youth downstate I get to work with a more diverse group. I feel like I can have a bigger impact than I'm already having in my career. That really excites me. Same thing with the coalition, being able to not only represent or to work with, you know, the hospitals, universities and tech companies um, that are here in Chicago, but throughout the state just just imagine the endless possibilities for me and learning like right that just opens up a whole new pandora's box of you know people i get to meet what i get to learn and that is really exciting and i can't wait to like jump into that
1: well for the millionth time, we are so thrilled to have you and really feel um, excited towards the leadership direction, the leadership style that you brought to our team, both ISTC and ISTI. Um, and we look forward to kind of as our path continues and doing it together. Um, so if anyone in our community or in our audience has questions, whether it's about the quickfire questions, maybe one of her answers or anything that we've talked about today, feel free to drop it in the comments. Uh, Colleen will have access to those. Um, otherwise, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Colleen, if there's any kind of last parting words you'd like to leave with, I want to turn it over to you.
2: Well, first, I want to thank you because you did a wonderful job. I watched a lot of your, you know, interviews, uh, the ones that are either on Facebook or YouTube. I encourage everyone to watch those. They're just so good, you know. And just think about, you know, the Mentor Mondays, Teacher Tuesdays. Those conversations have been amazing. And so I encourage everyone to, like, watch those because, you know, it's a part of our learning. Um, You might learn something new. You might learn a new way of teaching. Or from a student, you might learn something that you didn't know before. Um, so keep learning, keep saying yes, keep believing in endless possibilities. Stay very healthy and safe out there, and um, you know we're going to get through 2020, and I look forward to 2021. Um, and I don't see any questions, but if you have anything else, you know you'd like to ask um, while we're waiting, or maybe no one has any questions.
1: <laughs> um people <laughs> we'll you know, we'll drop them sure. later too and we'll we can go back and respond to them. Um, I don't have anything else at this time. Um, so I would love to just leave it on that. I think that's a really positive message. Again, our forward thinking, solution oriented. Um, so again, thank you, Colleen, for agreeing to do an interview with us. And um everyone can check it out in the videos later on, on Facebook.
2: And we look forward to what's to come. I am too. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.